HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special show. It's uh, May 2016. We're in Philadelphia for the Craft Brewers Conference. And we caught up with Sam Collagione with uh, Rick and uh, Nadia, who are from Palette Magazine. So this is pretty cool. We're starting to see the overlap of, of beer and culture. You know, just this week in New York, uh, Gunhill Brewery m- made a beer with Hamilton, the cast of Hamilton. And I, and I think we're really going in the right direction. So we really sat down with Ambassador and James Ty. We're going to talk to Sam and Rick about... What, what Palette Magazine is and kind of its role in, in the beer community. So, uh, Rick, why don't you tell us how, how you met Sam and how you guys come up with the idea of this magazine, which I really like a lot. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I, before making magazines, or I made magazines for a long time and then I actually took a detour into, into craft beer. So I visited America, got interested in it, studied brewing. And then went back to Australia and worked in the industry for five years. Um, at the end of that time, I had an opportunity to get back into magazines. And then that's, that's kind of like where the impetus for the, the beer mag or the, the seed was kind of planted. Um, when, it, when it came to thinking of who we wanted to do something like this with, um, Sam was really the only guy that we had in mind because, you know, we were, had this idea of this kind of Think and drink was kind of the starting point of where we wanted to go with it. I love it. that think and drink. Yeah, and um, Sam was just happened to be this guy that we knew. Obviously, he's into his beer, but had done a lot of interesting collaborations and with music and, and art and culture. So it just seemed like a good fit. So through an old friend of uh, mine in the industry, uh, emailed Sam and you know, pretty much just cold called him really, and he was kind enough to say. Yeah, kind of, I like the idea. If you're ever out here, come and say good day, and that's what we did. We travelled around the world and knocked on his front door, and he looked after us, and that was really where it started. I love the magazine. It's kind of like a Lucky Peach magazine. It's beautiful, well designed, yeah. really interesting articles, and then boom, you've got all these great beer ads. So, uh, how did you how did you get interested in this? And well, I mean, I, um, I apologize for, for my voice. We're in day three of the Craft Brewers Conference, and the wheels are coming off the truck. Uh, but, uh, you know, I grew up loving to read, and I became an English major in, in college and subscribed to magazines, you know, voraciously, often sort of in indie magazines from, you know, ad busters to uh, maximum rock and roll to eventually stuff like The New Yorker and uh, Interview Magazine, Warhol's Magazine. Um, so I've always loved to read, and that's oftentimes how I learn, uh, especially as I try to apply, you know, other people's creative journeys and other creative art forms to what we do in in brewing um, and I've, I'm great friends with a number of the publishers of, of, of other uh, beer magazines as well and I think there's some great ones out there uh, but by and large of course 
they focus almost exclusively their editorial content around the theme of beer or the minutia of the production of beer and what differentiates specific commercial beers. And I, I, I often thought there was a role for a publication that where it, the, the content was curated for people who love beer, but the content wasn't 100% about beer. It was about worlds that we, a collective we that I couldn't envision yet, um, would, would find content that would appeal to beer drinkers, some of it about beer and some not. And then when Rick and Nadia reached out, A, I could tell they knew their shit when it came to beer, so they weren't just fronting like a, a magazine that sort of would care about beer. You could tell they were true beer lovers. Uh, they got the sort of indie approach to beer and how it could bleed into other art forms and, and unite them. And, and most uh, importantly, they sent me copies of uh, magazines like the Smith Journal and Frankie that they had been very involved with publishing uh, out of Australia that had a global sort of impact in, in the magazine culture. And when we had talked about similar reference points of The New Yorker or Lucky Peach, as you mentioned, um, I knew we were kind of talking the same language and it progressed from there. So, uh, Rick, how did you get some of the writers for this? Because we know some guys, Joshua David Stein, he wrote something about sours. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, a lot of it comes from just old network that we've, you know, like built up over many, many years of um, contributors that we've worked with along the way. Um, that guy in particular, that was a random, that was a pretty random email. Um, one person passed us along to another one and passed us along to another one and said, you should speak to this guy and... Yeah, emailed him and he was kind of keen on it. You know, he's got a big book coming out. Yeah, that's the, right. The man. food and beer book with a Yuppie from Evil Twin that's and right. Daniel from Luxus and Taurus in New York. It's, it's actually one of the coolest. I, mean, I know you had a great book. Uh, he, he drinks beer and she drinks wine, which when I first started I, I referenced. But cool. this one, food and beer, uh, is going to be really special. Mm. I don't know if you've got a chance to preview it. I haven't, no, but I heard, I heard about it. Um, that's how we, we heard about him, what he'd done. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like you kind of email these people and they don't know you, and then you you send them a mag, and then they kind of go, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'll be involved." I think until they see it and hold the mag, then people are pretty um, keen to jump on board. Then, how maybe uh, to, as a reminder for those who in the beer world, we have writing in the magazine, but also someone from the literary world, like David Eggers. Yeah. How did how did he get on board? Yeah, that was a. Again, that was kind of like through an old, old connection through from past magazines. We'd always um, really admired Dave Eggers as a you know a writer and a creative guy. He was always one of our dream guys to get him in the mag. Um, but that was really we just kind of harassed his his assistant <laughs> until she finally gave us you know an hour conversation with him. So yeah, it was use any way we can to get whoever you can get. How do you choose the uh, subjects of the interviews? I mean, Mike, I was reading the first issue and I felt like it was tailored to me specifically. Uh, it was so, just from Dolly Parton to Trucker's Memoirs and <laughs> yeah. to then Beer, I mean, again. And you like the ads, too, I love you? all of it. How yeah. did you How do you choose your subjects? Your yeah, it's funny, like, I always say it's a very selfish, we take a very selfish approach, like, it's, uh, without sounding kind of um, too self-centered, it, it often just comes from things that I'm interested in but in thinking that it's trying to reflect the whole idea of the magazine is reflecting the craft beer drinker mm-hmm. rather than the craft beer industry and having oh, worked can you say that one more time that's <laughs> so perfect yeah having worked in the industry I would meet so many people that I thought were really interesting and intellectually curious that's my kind of take on a craft beer drinker is if you drink craft beer I have this kind of theory that by default, you're a curious person. You found beer. You're also interested in art, history, culture. Um, so yeah, I guess it's kind of like taking a punt that thinking that if you're into beer, into into good beer, you will be into Dolly Parton. You will be into hearing what truckers do. You know, it's. I, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like when you on your Spotify, you like one band the next time it gives you that suggestion, you know, like of the next bands. We're kind of trying to do that in a, rather than an algorithm, it's kind of like a human algorithm of what we think you might might like next. Fantastic. Now, going back to that article, you should open up to the article about sour with uh, Joshua David Stein. Now I want to talk to you about beer. So when I think sour beers and dogfish head, I think 
uh, Festina Pesha, is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah. So how did you come up with that beer? Well, um, it's awesome to see, you know, a beautiful story about sours in, uh, in the newest issue of Palette. You know, uh, Michael Jackson's uh, World Guide to Bo- Beer and Charlie Papazian's Joy of Homebrewing were two formative uh, books for me when I just started homebrewing that gave me the confidence to move to open my own brewery. Uh, and it was through Michael's work that I got to learn about uh, Belgian sours. And we did one of the earliest American wild sours about 12 or 13 years ago called Festina Lente. And a couple of years later, we started doing uh, the first American bottled Berliner Weiss called Festina Pesce. But it shows you how far sour culture has come in America that when we first sent Festina Pesce out to our distributors, we got pallets of it sent back to the brewery with our distributors saying, hey, asshole, your beer went bad, it went sour. <laughs> and that was only 10 years ago, and now sours on a small base are one of the fastest-growing beer styles in America. And, you know, uh, you know, we're very intentional, and Lydia, uh, or, or Nadia and, and Rick's work on deciding, you know, what stories should be beer-focused and what should be focused around stuff beer lovers will like. Um, I thought that the sour story was a, a great... Um, focus on the beer component of this this issue because I, I, I envision there are going to be people that picked up the first two that might be in the IPAs and as they're going deeper on their journey with palate they're going deeper with their journey on beer styles and I think sours as a more um, less sweet style um, and IPAs with the high bitterness as a less sweet style I feel like sours are a, a cousin of the IPA phenomena and poised to really uh, grow. You know, we're, we're at the Craft Brewers Conference, and we're in a, in a hotel right now. It's a little lively, and most people here are doing business. And I was talking to someone on the way over, and I said, oh, you know, we're, we're meeting with Sam and his crew from Palette Magazine. I said, oh, I heard about that, but I thought it was a joke that Sam was Lisa's executive editor. But <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> wow. I, I, I knew so the truth. So much faith but, in you. <laughs> but well, I, can, I can see how serious you are about it. Well, we are. And, and Nadia just joined us uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I got to know both of them and, and in terms of what, what my, my role is, you know, uh, I, first and foremost, as a sounding board brewer who's done collaborative projects in a bunch of sort of complementary art, art forms or industry from great uh, small clothing companies like Woolrich or Polar, uh, to the, the artists and musicians that we've been passionate about, to straightforward actual design artists that have done some of our work and overlap with the design work of Palette. So a sounding board, and also uh, we, we have a, a long, wonderful call uh, ahead of every issue where we talk through, these guys are great, they, they give me a paragraph about the concepts they're thinking about, and I try to add to it and, and give them my context. They're like, hey, we're going to do an, uh, an uh, we want to do an article on, you know, exotic or weird cars that brewers drive, and maybe those cars are in some way an extension of their brands, and, and, and find out if that's true. That's exactly the kind of journey I want to go on, because immediately I think, oh, my buddy Richard at Bear Republic, he's a race car driver, you should talk to him, or Rob Todd fell in love with Honda Elements, because if cars blow up your beer, you can just spray them out with a hose, <laughs> and, and, and finding these common threads that you get to learn about the breweries and beer culture, but not through the traditional, just here's a bio of a beer, here's a here's a description of a beer style. I don't know if you want to add to that, Nadia? Yeah, I mean, the, the process of um, all of the three of us working together is is definitely collaborative. Sam is much more than a name on a masthead um, in every way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, the creative process is pretty fun. I mean, Rick and I sit down at the start of each issue and work out um, how we want it to flow. Um, a lot of the zanier ideas definitely come out of Rick's head. Um, we've had some great brewing collaborations that we've done. Issue one, we did Breaking Brews, where we took Breaking Bad and matched that um, with a range of brewers. Then there was Bruce Willis for issue two, so we got him to pick their favourite Bruce Willis film, which is awesome, and um, make a beer that riffs off that. And issue three, we've got Star Wars. So that's, again, yeah, I mean, a pretty obvious one. Yeah, let's so, open up to that one and, yeah. and, and talk about that. <laughs> so a beer based on the Star Wars saga. I'd just like to add that I, that Sam's probably more literary than, than yeah, either of us. He's totally. probably better read than us. He, he can quote Shakespeare and other yeah. great writers better than what we can. So yeah. going back to that original point about Sam 
being on the masthead. Yeah, it's definitely not a. Uh, it's not a talking thing. Well, they're so both big, they're both even bigger Star Wars geeks than I am. <laughs> yes. So they go. We, we are. We are That's yeah. true. Celebrate the fourth yesterday. Yeah, we did. We realized it was pretty cool that we were going to have these beers, and then that day we were like. We didn't actually plan that, but not that. No. Not that <laughs> what was it? Yeah. May 4th, was it? May the 4th yeah. be with you. And we did the Palette Issue 3 launch with, on, these, on, beers, with yeah. these Star Wars beers on May 4th. And yeah. with your with your buddy Leo, you know, yes. who, who we found out he'd never seen the Star Wars movies. Yeah. What? <laughs> he had to go and watch them. To yeah, read, read, read us yeah. some of the, the beers that they made for Star the Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so we worked with um, Biro del Borgo in Italy. So one of Sam's mates, Leo, he created one called Hoppy One Kenobi, which is a rebellion IPA. So very much fitting. In the so Star rather than side. being an imperial, he was like, yeah. but he's on the wrong side. So we have to make it rebellion. About, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is some super nerdy Star Wars trivia there for fans. Um, and then we worked with Bolter Brewing. They're a new brewery um, in the Gold Coast, right, yeah, in, in Australia. Australia yeah. um, so they've created the Jabba the Hop IPA um, with some kick-ass layer artwork on the label. Um, yeah. So um, our mutual f- friend is a brewing, is a small brewery in Denver. So um, we work with these guys. So the type of breweries we're working with as well is like you know some of Sam's friends, some some big guys, and then some little guys that are just starting out and you know friend of a friend. Um, so they made uh, Wicket the Wit, which they actually brewed in their brew pub and served, which is pretty cool. And then, yeah, so then you got like one of the bigger guys, so Left Hand helped us out as well and did the Uncle Owen smoked ale. So again, if you're a Star Wars fan, you got to get that. Yeah, and then for each um, of the, re- we brief each of the recipes to an artist who comes back and creates the label artwork. So we work with artists from all over the world. Um, there's usually a couple in the States and then a mixed bag of international cameos as well. Well, that's great, Ralph. Mm-hmm. Great start. What's the website to learn more about Palette Magazine? So it's allthingspalette.com. Yeah, A-L-L-T-H-I-N-G-S, palette.com. <laughs> all right, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio. Hey, we're at Craft Brewers Conference in Philadelphia, and we got Sam Collagione and the Palette Magazine team, and Likes Beer. So, Sam, what's Craft Brewers Conference like for you? Oh, it's, uh, it's sort of like going to the Fortress of Solitude with your fellow <laughs> mutants and uh, kind of hanging out and learning about each other's superpowers and making each of us uh, uh, more uh, capable of moving, moving the, the industry uh, forward together, so it's an incredibly uh, altruistic and mutually supportive community, and the Craft Brewers Conference, the seminars, we get together and teach each other best practices, and, and, and there's all these different um, tracks, so if you're a hardcore brewer, you can go on a technical track about the actual liquid, if you're in the marketing side of beer, you can do that, brew pubs, food, so a great uh, sort of potpourri of content at the Craft Brewers Conference. And have you been to any of the talks so far? Yeah, yesterday was the um, the brew pub, the food beer camp. I mean, excuse me, boot camp for food. Today I'm doing a staff training, you know, from the retail side. Again, there's something for everybody. So 
I'm really excited about it. Right after this, actually. Have you yeah. been to other CBCs in yeah. the past, right? Yeah, last year was great. You did Portland last year? I did Portland, but I missed the one before with uh, Michael Pollan. As this keynote speaker, I'm a little disappointed. You know, you're a, a great beer person, but you're also one of the biggest fans of the industry, aren't you? Of, the, of this part of the industry, yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah, I think that the, the culture, again, everything in context. You know, I go into the Morgan Library and there's, you know, scores and, and art from Bomberg. And, of course, I'm like, oh, Roush beer. You know, it's like those connections that kind of you put yeah. together automatically and is that what they were drinking and is that what was going on at the time and in a historical context all of this is, is they're nailing it with this magazine what you're doing yeah with Palette Magazine I, I besides the articles about Star Wars beers but there's an article about uh, zero waste mm-hmm. and renewed Japan. social purpose yeah. in Japan yeah. and how'd you come up with that one? that, that was we got lucky on that one didn't we? that was a contributor actually yeah. so in so. issue three we had um uh, a story on industrial symbiosis, so that cycle of using your waste product to fuel um, another product creation in a different industry, that um, compatible industry story. And while our writer was researching that, she came across um, this brewery in Japan, which was basically built on um, a, an island or a section um, of the country which used to be a trash dump. So basically, all the regions around would come and just dump their trash um, into this village, and the village. It, this coincided with the villages um, getting older. It's like quite an aging population in that part of the country, and them just being like, "We can't live like this." So the whole village got together and decided, "Okay, we're going to stop. Um, the trash has got to stop. We're going to start recycling everything." They recycle every single thing in the 37 village. Thirty-seven bins. Yeah, thirty-seven different bins, different bins that they put um, each thing from sake bottles to like lighters. They each have their own little bin. Um, but at the same time, they wanted to encourage, I guess, um, tourism into the area and one of the businessmen on the island had been to Portland, Oregon and seen the breweries there and was like, actually there's a quote in the article where he says, just people in Portland were so happy and they're all (laughs) working as a community and we want to facilitate that um, in in our part of the world. So he built this brewery called Rise and Win um, and it's, it's a pretty special place. They basically had to knock down parts of the city to build the brewery because everyone had left because of the trash so they repurposed old buildings every single part of it is built from their old schoolhouses their old like you know village townhouses and then they you know. said that it worked didn't it? they said yeah. that the, some of the people that came and built the brewery stayed yeah. and then some artists came set up their studios there now people are coming from all over to come visit the brewery so it's yeah. brought this whole new life to this to this tiny little village. It's like yeah. Field of Dreams, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, plus it's so beautiful as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's for special. us in terms of a story. It's what we've dreamed of creating of, when we yeah. created power. What, what we can do for a yeah. community. Yeah. 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 Not so obvious. Sam, we're excited to have you on, on the show. It's the first time on Beer Sessions Radio. I love that it's in the context of Palette Magazine. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm obviously uh, very proud to be involved in it. And uh, you know, I, I uh, contributed an excerpt from my newest book, uh, Off-Center Leadership, in this one as well. But a, a chunk of the book that's uh, hopefully, hopefully interesting to any sort of creative uh, type of person in any industry just about how to approach uh, collaboration, um, and that's what I'm most proud of. My collaborative work, you know, with Nadia and Rick uh, on this, but also the, my outreach to my friends that own breweries and how heartwarming it is that they are a bunch of other indie craft breweries that obviously care as much about their own company's culture, you know, as they do about their own the liquids that they make and their opportunity. It's cool to see their their brands uh, making very thoughtful, uh, art forward ads uh, to fit into palette uh, very uh, beautifully. Um, so part of the experience of reading it is also actually uh, checking out the, how, how careful uh, and artful you know the ads of these great distinct brewers are that are supporting uh, the publication. It almost looks like editorial. You know, the ads, you kind of can't tell where editorial meets advertisement, and it flows really nicely. Well, that's, that's nice to hear. <laughs> James, what's your take on it? I don't know if you knew about Palette Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've definitely you know, seen it and a big fan. Um, and I think the, the magical part about it, it really does capture the zeitgeist of the, the, the current you know, beer drinking population. Um, and the, the, re- the really weird thing about it is that you know, it's, it doesn't really pigeonhole into one specific kind of 
look or one specific kind of uh, template. I mean, I'm looking at this table you know, around us, and we, I think we all share in those same sensibilities, but you know, we're all very much remarkably different, you know, where we're coming from. And I guess my question, I guess to be back to Sam, you know, given that kind of like magic that's that's there, how much of it does it really inform and inspire Dogfish? You know, in terms of what's going on with Palette Magazine. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, Dogfish advertises in other beer publications that are published by friends of mine, and I uh, I'm, I'm proud to, to to work with them, and and they do the important work of. Uh, sharing love and evangelism and education of beer, but frankly, I don't really read them too much, but because most are focused on actual new beers coming out and beer styles. And frankly, I don't really want to be influenced on Dogfishhead's creative journey by what my brethren in the industry are doing. Uh, so in our house, you know, uh, pa- Palette's a magazine that I can pick up, and uh, and uh, you know, obviously, I I know about the articles from our editorial uh, process. Uh, but I still discover them for the first time, other than the one I wrote, uh, when the when the issue arrives at my house. And Nadia and Rick are like, "All right, well, we're done. We put we put issue two to bed. You want us to send you the, the file?" And I'm like, "No, I, I want to get this in its paper form to see it for the first time." And I always try to make sure I do it in the evening. I put on some you know jazz in the background. I do one beer, and you know the, the story, the length of them. When you think about publications like the New Yorker or. Uh, the Atlantic, the length of the stories are generally about the length of what it takes to enjoy a good beer if you're just hanging out <laughs> and <laughs> sipping it. Um, so, you know, uh, that's my, my favorite way to digest it uh, and my favorite way to interact with it in, in the terms of dogfish head, to bring home our newest beer and be, like, uh, excited to learn about something like this Japanese uh, brewing community uh, while I'm enjoying uh, the fruits of our labor. That's what it says on your website. One beer, one story. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it makes sense. Now I understand it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it. You have a series of the Ancient Ales, too, and I think it's kind of fitting that we're in Philly, right? Because it wasn't the first kind of time that was done for Philly Beer Week. Yeah, and you got a good memory. So tonight I'm doing an event with Dr. Pat McGovern, uh, who's a molecular archaeologist at the University of Pennsylvania uh, that we first uh, began. Uh, you know, Dogfish started doing Ancient Ales kind of as a reaction to how angry a lot of beer lovers were with us in the mid to late 90s because we were brewing beers with right out of the gates the day we opened. Most of our beers were uh, kind of giving the finger to the Rhein Heights boat. And early on, you know, it's neat to see all these exotic beers really growing today. But that was not considered cool in the mid-90s. We took a lot of shit for it. And that really got me doing things like researching African tej as a style with tree roots and honey or braggots from medieval England and reviving those styles to say, hey, look, long before the Rhein Heitzkeboot existed, every part of the world brew these unique beers. And then my, my journey of doing those on my own just through historic research led to my getting to know people like Dr. Pat in the in the modern sciences, particularly molecular archaeology, where we can bring these beers back to life based on, um, you know, on organic matter that's found uh, in tombs. So uh, that's a, a fun part of the journey as well. And that's Smithsonian, right? They just announced they're going to be... Partnering, partnering with the Brewers yeah. Association to, to kind of uh, codify and give a permanent collection to uh, the beer movement in, in America, which is... Again, validates all of ours work. You know, right? so cool. yeah, that is wow. neat. So now, yeah, we met because you're you're a pitching palette magazine. I ran into you at Heritage Radio Network over the winter. I was. Yeah. And how's it going for you? Um, working on the mag. Yeah. yeah, it's been really good. I mean, we've had um, it's been a wild journey. Rick and I obviously can tell by the accents are from Australia. <laughs> um, so palettes like brought me over to America, which has been which has been pretty special. And it has been, I got to say, a baptism by the fire in terms of exploring American beer styles. We're lucky <laughs> in Australia to have a wide range of styles, but it is nowhere near as close to the industry as here. Yeah. Have you guys interviewed Sam yet? Have we interviewed yeah. them? I mean, we've sat in front of a crowd and had a conversation. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. In, in Melbourne and yeah. in Sydney, uh, they were gracious enough to invite me and my family down. And, uh, we did a number of events there. Mariah and I, uh, the first brew pub I ever drank at was on the rocks in, in Sydney. I went to the University of New South Wales there my junior year abroad in college. So it was super cool to go back as, as a beer person to the country where I had one of my first uh, good beers. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to pick a brewery that, to introduce Australian craft beer to someone that isn't familiar, is there one that you really think captures the spirit or the flavors of Australia? Of Australia. 
Each of you. Each of you. Yeah, yeah, you both have gateway beers, though. I mean, Rick and I, I don't know if you were talking about this before, but we did a research trip around the States when we were thinking about Palette, and um, we went to a lot of different breweries, and I think a highlight for both of us at um, that point was Russian River Brewery, um, which, like, I mean, we had Pliny the Elder, and I remember sitting there, and I, it was it's really strong, really good, and easy to drink. for me, that, that was a, a bit of a gateway into craft, and I think I'd recommend that to most people. As yeah. far as an Australian beer that, that kind of is like that, for me, obviously, I've worked in the industry there, so I have a bit of a soft spot for stone and wood brewing is um, in Byron Bay, where I live. But those guys, um, they, when I started working with them, they were six months old, and you know, selling 10 kegs a week, and now they've kind of become maybe the largest craft brewer in, in Australia. Stone and Wood? Yeah. Okay. But they've um, they've got this beer, which is kind of their flagship beer, which I think does a really great job of... It, it used uh, Galaxy Hops, first beer to really um, make Galaxy quite famous, and it, it really just drinks like an Australian summer, as cliche as that sounds. It really is this little sunshine in a bottle thing, and that really kicked off the whole thing for Galaxy too, which I see is now over here. You know, that's a, it's a pretty popular hop now. Sam, what's something new that you've learned at the Craft Brewers Conference this week? Uh, that uh, brewmaster John Mallet from Bells has really good legs. <laughs> <laughs> last, last night we had a party where a bunch of us as brewers got to do sing with the band Cracker, the actual band Cracker as our backing band. So we had... Uh, uh, John Mallet sing Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side in glorious drag, and he nailed oh, it. Uh, but it's just an awesome, you know, I, I basically introed all the brewers. We had no re- we had no practice with the band. We printed out the lyrics, and I, I said to all, all my, the, the folks that showed up, which were other brewers and distributors and beer writers and uh, industry people, and I said, this is what it feels like to do your first recipe, and, not, and you're about to take the first sip of it. Maybe it's great, maybe it's not, but you went for it. And you embrace the risk. the guy that sang ACDC? Oh, he destroyed it. Yeah, was, he was Casey, so a, a local uh, Jose Pastales. You know oh, that, I love place? that place? Yeah. So uh, he fucking he nailed uh, the, that song and with his shirt off. And, yeah. <laughs> it was powerful. It was powerful. That was legendary. So now you guys should follow Sam around the next conference you go to and be like, spend a day with Sam Collazo. No, I don't know if we could keep up. <laughs> we'd we'd yeah. be exhausted. Yeah. And, and, and we, we, it's very intentional that maybe only 25% of the content of Palette is focused. And at the CBC, it's like 99% of the day is focused on, on beer. So. Yeah. That's cool. a, little, a little more about this conference, because to me, I went a few years ago in D.C., but I mean, what is it about? Like People get to meet, what, guys that are selling... You know, brewing systems. I mean, what what, what are the the range of products did, did offered? Did you guys walk the the, the yeah. f- f- right. floor? What did you guys think of that? I, I mean, I think it's just like a great clearinghouse of sorts. Uh, you know, you get to see a lot of the advances and some of the cutting edge stuff that's happening in the industry. And it's really fun just hearing you know a lot of the the suppliers talk about their stuff because there's such a passion about it. You know, so the thing about brewing and, and the brewing industry is that the passion it goes beyond you know the, the great brewers that are out there. It goes beyond you know the, the really passionate salespeople. I mean, you 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 look top to bottom, and, and everybody's really really has has a strong passion for what they're doing. So that's really fun. But it's, it's a- because this, this is, our listeners aren't really like in the industry, but this is like for industry people. That's really what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. And for me, it's community is probably the number one takeaway. You know, I've seen so many friends that I don't get to see so often, and you know, the more saturated the market becomes, and the better the beer becomes, then it's like you have to kind of look to the next level, and it's like, well, what do we want to support, and who do we want to support, and and what are the stories that we want to tell through our beer list, you know, and things like that, and to really get to know people on a different level and on a personal level is really nice because you know what they're about and, and you feel good telling your customers about these breweries. Well, I'll tell you, this is wild. I literally got off the train. At 10 o'clock, I was in front of this hotel. I ran into Augie Carton from Carton Brewing, Dave Lopez from Gone Hill Brewing, a few other distributors, and now I'm here sitting with you guys. So, hey, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. I don't know what you want me to be. You turn away from anything you don't want to see Dear, that don't add up Oh, wow Dear, that don't add up Oh, wow Spill the sugar in your cup 
On Tuesday, May 17th, please join Snacky Tunes for the 9th Annual Barbecue Blowout. Our inaugural chefs are Kings County Imperial with Beats and Rhythms by Domino Records. Tickets are $10 in advance at bbqblowoutmay2016.eventbrite.com. Tickets include a plate of food and a complimentary Brooklyn brewery. We're happy to announce returning partners of Nikki Digital and Heritage Radio Network. We hope to see you there. Hey, welcome back. It's a Craft Brewers Conference. We're here with Sam Collagione and the Palette Magazine crew in Philadelphia on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, so, Sam, thanks for taking the time with us, man. I know you got you, your day must be so packed. I mean, I don't know how you do it. You know, uh, what is your next meeting? I'm just curious. Uh, next meeting, I'm meeting actually with my buddies uh, Jason and Todd Alstrom, who own Beer Advocate, are great friends of mine, and we're the lead sponsor of the Extreme Beer Fest every year, and Dogfish has been the sponsor for years, very proud of that, and we're just talking about all things Extreme Beer Fest and, and Extreme Beer Project that uh, we're working on as well, so that's my next meeting. All the meetings are fun, though. No, we're having fun with you, man. <laughs> we heard about dancing last night and drag with Cracker. This is a wild, and Anne's, you know. But so, of course, this this magazine's about culture and lifestyle surrounding beer with beer sponsors. But I was so impressed to open and see my favorite article about the Reinhardtsko boat. Everyone celebrating 500 years of purity. This is a great article. And Rick, why don't you tell me the tack on this? Because I, I think that you tackled this. Better yeah. than most have. Uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, this was one that we w- went back and forth on because we knew everybody would do this story this year. And so at one point we were like, maybe we won't do it because it, it'll be everywhere. Um, but then our take on this was to think that people are going to pick up this magazine, we hope, that don't know anything about beer. So we thought we should include it and give them a bit of a rundown on it. And really... Um, my take on the Reinhardt's quote, what I think is kind of hilarious about it, is the fact that people towed the line for so long. And I, I always thought the analogy would be, can you imagine if people in Italy, when they made pizza, said you can only put four ingredients on it? Mm-hmm. And everywhere around the world they said, okay. And for five, 500 <laughs> years you can only get cheese, basil and you know tomato sauce. That's kind of a, how absurd it is. But so it's kind of like the take on just how ridiculous it was and how much people like Sam have enjoyed destroying it, I guess. <laughs> In a positive way? <laughs> positive destruction? Yeah, so for me, you know, the Ryan Heights about when I mentioned earlier, you know, the joy of homebrewing by Charlie Papazian and um, Michael Jackson's books were, were epiphany moments for me as I moved towards opening Dogfish. The Ryan Heights boats, this thing that I, Dogfish wouldn't exist without it, so I'm glad it exists. But it gave us our raison d'etre. Literally, when I was researching to open Dogfish in the public library of New York City, living there in 94, 93, um, I, I was studying breweries like uh, um, Sam Adams and Sierra and trying to say, okay, I'm going to start super tiny. I'm not going to be able to compete with these larger established craft breweries. And that's when I learned about the Ryan Heights Cabot. And I was like, oh, that's our way in to being a distinct brewery. I'm going to commit to open the first brewery that the majority of our beers will always be brewed outside the Ryan Heights Cabot and looking at the entire culinary landscape as potential beer ingredients. So within the business plan, I had that statement of the Ryan Heights Cabot's nothing more than a relatively modern form of art censorship. And I really built Dogfish Head out around that concept and, and exploring it. So I'm both thankful to the Ryan Heights Cabot and I hate it. So. <laughs> Because yeah, we talked about it a few weeks ago, we, we had Sebastian Sauer from Freigeist in Germany on the phone, and no one could, could really put a pin down what, what it was and what was wrong with it, but you got that a long time ago, and I like what you said in the article, you said Bavaria kind of came out of chaos and created control, yeah. and uh, no one's ever talked about how the Bavarians actually were the ones that put down this law, and now like guys like Sebastian Sauer up in Cologne, they're, they're fighting it, it must be some kind of regional battle or something. Yeah, between different parts of Germany that, that the whole world's believing in. So. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot through, through this article as well, actually, of, like, the history of it and how the, the, the foundation of it was partly to kind of protect the consumer as well because, you know, legend has it there, there was some pretty awful things going into beer at some stage. So, you know, there's, there's as Sam says, there's good reason for it. But, um, at some point, it's nice to step outside, thankfully, that everybody did, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a return to it. I'm sure it'll be kind of... I think um, Jeppy from um, Evil Twin mentions that there's, to some degree, a a trend back there. 
the kind of like what can you do inside that box and I always remember um, I think it's is it Jack Jack White from the White Stripes remember that band they were all White Stripes <laughs> remember like two piece band um, they'd always wear the same colour and I remember a quote of his was he liked the constraints of having to come up with stuff with just those two band members and he, he'd always play a crappy guitar because he wanted to see what he could do out of it it's like yeah you can have the whole orchestra but what can you do with just the four ingredients which is pretty amazing as well James you have any, a question for uh, Sam oh so many I know you do that's why you're here <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin you know um, how well, are your legs <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, 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 she asked me that earlier. So wanted to <laughs> I guess it's really tied to what we were just talking about. And I, I think, Sam, you're such an innovator in so many different ways in the industry. And one of the big things um, that, that you've done, which a lot of people caught on to, is there's the concept of not really having a flagship. You know, we think about Dogfish Head as a brewery that makes all these fantastic beers. So, you know, I, you, you touched upon it a little bit, but, you know, what maybe you can you kind of flesh out and articulate, you know, what that philosophy looked like for you, you know, starting. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when uh, well, first off, thank you. And uh, we, we worked hard for a number of years. It's ironic that our, we built up our premise about. Um, brewing the majority of our beers outside the Rheinheitsgebo, and it, I watched a culinary show about adding little pinches of spice to a soup the entire time. It simmered, made made the flavors of the pepper or whatever the spice woven into the soup with more complexity and uh, subtlety than if you had the same volume all at once. And that's what got me to think about continual hopping and why I built the first machine to continual hop our IPAs. And that was in 1998 or 1999. And in that era in America, the best, you know, we think of uh, IPA as this, this, just this massive thing that's been around forever in America. But when we started doing IPAs in 99, uh, the best-selling styles of beer in America were seasonals, ambers, pale ales. So it's kind of interesting that our unique way into that IPA world of continual hopping led those to become our best-selling beers, and they are the ones that are as close to the Rheinheitsgebot as anything that we make. I guess they probably fall within it. Um, and uh, we didn't want to see those get become runaway trains, so we're probably, you know, we, we, we refuse to put more than half of a container load of beer can be the green box of 60-minute to any distributor, and we've kept 60-minute from becoming um, the, 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 the 90,000 pound gorilla in our portfolio, which if this was a public company, I'd be fired for doing, you know, for saying that demands for there, just go where demand is. And Dogfish has sacrificed a lot of growth uh, because we chose not to be, um, you know, homogenized into just doing a couple of things. And we're, I'm, I'm glad we're taking that risk and, and, and not growing as fast as we could because we love exploring all the different beers uh, that we can think of. You know, talking about the beer advocate, the Extreme Beer Fest. Do you have any new beers that you'll be making uh, in that category? Uh, let's see, fun ones. Uh, next month we come out. Well, one we just uh, released at our, our, we opened a new seafood restaurant called Chesapeake in Maine, where 100% of the seafood comes from those two regions. Uh, over 90% of the seafood sold in American restaurants actually comes from overseas. So there's a freshness component and a carbon footprint component to that. We wanted to explore. Can we get 100% from there? So to celebrate the new brew pub, distillery, seafood restaurant, we brewed a beer called Sea Quench Ale that we fell in love with. In this, the 500th year, the Rhein Heights come out, we wanted to take some uh, uh, DNA of German brewing and kind of jujitsu style, use their powers against them. Uh, so we took the three sort of most quintessential thirst-quenching uh, German beer styles, a Kolsch, a uh, Goza, and a Berliner Weiss, and in sequence, hence the name, we, we do a Kolsch on day one into a triple batch fermenter, which has a very uh, uh, yeast-friendly pH level, a very traditional beer. And we put that in a fermenter and let that grow its yeast. And then the second day, we do a Goza with sea salt from the mouth of the Chesapeake, the Chesapeake and sea salt from, from the main seashore. And we make a Goza with that add that into the fermenting Kolsch, and then the last thing we do is a Berliner Weiss uh, that's 25% uh, of its fermentable sugars from lime juice, and put that in that tank, and it all ferments together. So you're left with this 4.9 ABV kind of mashup of three very German uh, heritage brands, but in a very off-centered uh, ingredient and process. Uh, so Sequench Ale comes out in bottles this summer, but we're really loving that one as a new beer. It sounds great, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Sorry, I don't have any to share with you guys. <laughs> it's the first show we've never had a beer in front of us. So that's what I'm trying to get you to talk about beer. But we're in a hotel across from the Reading Terminal across the street. I mean, Philly is pretty cool. This Reading did you, Terminal did you guys is like, walk through oh my it yet? goodness, I was upset. That place is unbelievable. It's like I had a cheesesteak an hour ago. Yeah, I had to. When you knew. What did you think? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it more than I ever thought I would. What would be the equivalent of a, the regional specialty drunk guy or girl sandwich in Sydney and in, in Melbourne? What would be the uh, regional dog? Meat pie. Meat pie. Meat pie. Meat pie. I mean, yeah, and Adelaide has the pie yeah. The, uh, yeah. Pea mash. Pea mash around it. Yeah. And you it's eat it out of the tray yeah. at drunk at two in the morning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or for breakfast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good right now. And what, what's the, since we're asking questions about Australia, what's the nickname for ladies from Adelaide? <laughs> I don't know. Adelaides. <laughs> or, or so they told me when they visited me once. <laughs> like, we're from Adelaide. We're Adelaides. Wow. I've never heard that before, but yeah, you might steal it. What, why don't you, Sam, why don't you ask these guys another question? You had the best question so far. Oh, on the, on the regional foods, uh, let's say, uh, what, you know, growing an independent print publication in, in the digital age, what, as you guys put the business plan together, what's been uniquely, like, surprisingly awesome about being a publisher of a print magazine in 2016, and what's the biggest challenge? An awesome thing that we found is just the, the way that subscribers have kind of rallied around the publication. It's something that we didn't really expect. Um, but yeah, the fact that um, you create this thing, this very heavy, printed, tangible, tactile product, um, and you have people who are willing to commit to it like straight off the bat without even seeing an issue. And that, I mean, having that connection with subscribers and with our audience has meant a lot, that person-to-person -person kind of, yeah, conversation has been happening in that sense. Then we're compared to table, coffee table book. I mean, if you have a subscription, you're almost getting every yeah. few months or every however often a coffee table book yeah. that you can put out and have. And, and have Do you mind if we use yeah. that? For sure. Because it really yeah. is. Yeah. Really and it turns into a coffee table book. Yeah. Uh, that's right, yeah. Seinfeld. I think Kramer made a coffee table book that turned into a coffee table book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because obviously a lot of you listening can't see it. But it, as Ann said, it's very substantial and, and beautifully designed. And it does to keep, you know, people that, that get it that I've talked to say that they keep them in their house. It's not, yeah. it's not disposable, right? Yeah. Totally. yeah. Let's, let's do a test, Nadia. So what's an email? If, if we can give away one subscription to a listener, what, what's the email should they send what's, their request they, to? Hello at allthingspalette.com. Hello at allthingspalette.com. And one of you can win a free subscription. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to say that you heard about this on, on beer sessions. Radio, all right. <laughs> And then this last article, this is kind of neat. Um, I don't know if you want Sam to read something from it or you guys, but that. this is a cool way. I, I love, and what, what do you call these pieces in the magazine? Like, what do we call it? It's like the, la the end yeah, of the magazine is yeah. that page you, you almost go to first. Yeah, I guess it's almost like an outro, I guess you'd call it. And um, the idea was always, you know, like, you'll see like a common, you'll see in other magazines, like I think even New Yorker and stuff is like, this is as close as we come to a department really is where you know it's the end of the mag and they'll often have things where it's like the last thing you did the last this that so our take on that was obviously you know a bit of a, a bit of a pun on last call in a bar you know usually you're getting shuffled out at the end of the night but the twist on it is you get one phone call uh, at, you're on your deathbed one phone call but the, tw the kind of catch is you're talking to your 21 year old self and what, what wisdom would you give yourself looking back and um, we've actually got to this has been probably one of the coolest parts of the whole project is the people we've got to speak to about this um, first of all we got to speak to Gay Talese the legendary journalist and that really set the whole scene for it really because I mean he was he's an older guy so it was it was quite apt for the conversation so that was very um, cool um, Jeff Dyer is in this latest um, issue uh, he's an English author, and again, he's a, a guy that I've read for probably 15 years. I've read a lot of his books and got to have a chat to him and um, run through. And he had, to, he had some good wisdom. Um, I should choose a little bit for him. Um, There's one that caught your eye, Yeah? Yeah. There's definitely yeah, one here about uh, what, 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 the thing he appreciated that he never did was... Uh, 
Uh, namely that I've never had a three-way, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, cut your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's a family show, we apologize. There's more than that, but... <laughs> so he's, um, I think, what, what is Nadia? I kind of like this donut habit one. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, just re- read that last line. We're going to wrap it up soon. <laughs> so this is some of um, Jeff's advice. Keep... Keep an eye on your cholesterol and don't acquire the donut habit I did. If you're going to have a stroke, then I really warmly recommend the sort I had because there was physically no pain at all and although it was extremely alarming, I got over it pretty thoroughly in a couple of days. It was more a shot across the bow, really. (laughs) But last call. So the magazine's great and again, you've got a great team. I really really like the format. I I like the way you credit everybody and we're really looking forward to it. And again, how, how can you... Write in for a free subscription. So send us an email, hello at allthingspalette.com, and make sure to mention Beer Sessions Radio. All right. And anything else you want to say, Sam, before what, we wrap What it about up? The, fir- the person that gets their second and, and the free uh, issues given away? Where do you go to do the subscribe? And- to subscribe, yeah. So hit our website, which is allthingspalette.com. We've got subscriptions, single copies for issue one, two, and three. Um, and also bundles and stickers. We do everything. Well, I want to say that this is a great. For, this is my favorite interview of Craft Brewers Conference because we're talking about beer and culture. And Anne, you know, we sat in the other day. Tell them about the Hamilton beer that we yeah, were talking we had, about. Yeah, um, uh, Javier Munoz, the lead in Hamilton, call in and just one thing that stood out to me that I know you guys will appreciate is he said when they went to brew it that he had no idea for the amount of, of art and creativity that went into brewing this beer, and he said that was his biggest takeaway. Um, is to see the creativity and how the process is really similar to, you know, creating well, I, I, music. I, to me, you know, beer else. is culture, yeah. and, and I, I just love the direction you guys are taking because, as James said, we're all different, but we can all relate to this magazine, and we all like good beer. So thanks, thanks to guys. Nadia, Rick, Sam, Ann, and James for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you sometime next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.